In Jesus' name, amen. Be confident. Be confident. That is a refrain, a chorus, that I hear over and over and over again from just about every corner of the world today. Be confident. Uh, I, I believe, and you can disagree with me on this, that confidence is one of the most sought after, one of the most highly exalted qualities or characteristics of our day today. Uh, we are constantly told, be confident. In, in fact, uh, I would argue that confidence is almost a requirement for the 21st century world we live in, isn't it? Uh, I mean, think about it this way. Our employers demand it from us. When you're sitting at that job interview, the person sitting across the table from you is probably looking to see if you have the appropriate amount of confidence. Uh, our future spouses want to see it in us too, don't they? they? They look for someone who's not a pushover, not someone who's uncertain, but someone who exudes confidence. Uh, we're even told, I think, by our psychologists that our children can smell it on us, right? Your kids know when you waver, when you are uncertain, and they will walk all over you if you are not confident. So be confident. That is the, the refrain, the chorus of our world today. We, we hear it from many different places, uh, but this week, I went on to Amazon, where you buy pretty much everything nowadays, of course, and I did a quick search. I took a look at the, the top-selling books in both the general nonfiction category and then also the self-help category, and these were some of the titles uh, on that list, books with the titles like The Art of Extraordinary Confidence or The Self-Confidence Workbook, The Confidence Gap, The, the Confidence Code. These are books that have sold hundreds of thousands, if not millions of copies. People are, are clamoring to find confidence. <laughs> uh, but if it, it were only so easy to just read a book or snap our fingers and have it, right? I, I think we could all use a little more confidence. The, the problem with confidence is that you have it one moment and then the next minute it's gone, right? It's here and then it's not. You're, you're really confident about the job interview that you're walking into. You are sure that you're going to get the job because who wouldn't want to hire you? You have all of the qualifications and even more and then then you walk into the building and you extend this sweaty, clammy mess, right? And, and all that confidence is gone. You're, you're confident on the first date because because you're a, a lucky catch. Again, who wouldn't want to, to, to meet you, date you, marry you? And, and then halfway through the date, you spill spaghetti down your shirt and you are stammering through the rest of the conversations. You're confident and then you're not. You're confident going into the test and then you sit there for 20 minutes looking at question number one, not sure if you'll ever move past that first question. Uh, confidence, it's hard to come by. Uh, I, I experienced this my first year in the seminary, uh, about halfway through my first out of four years studying to be a pastor, I was pretty confident. And uh, I may have said this before, maybe you've heard it, uh, that I think uh, one of the most dangerous things to the church is a first-year seminarian. <laughs> uh, for just that reason, you are very confident. Uh, I'll speak for myself. I was very confident as a first-year seminarian. I had sat through just enough classes, gleaned just enough wisdom from just enough professors, sat through enough chapels and heard enough sermons to think that uh, I, was, I was pretty good. I was set. I, I wasn't sure that I needed the next three plus years. I kind of had it down. And this confidence uh, especially came to preaching as I sat there through all of these chapel sermons. I often thought to myself, wow, that was really good, but I could do better. <laughs> that was moving, uh, but I could move them further. Uh, I was a, a pretty confident 
preacher because I had never preached before. <laughs> uh, that's usually how it goes, right? And, and so I remember halfway through my first year at seminary, uh, a pastor actually over here at the Lutheran home asked me to give a, a sermon on, on a Sunday morning for the people there. And almost immediately that confidence was gone. I sat down with my Bible and my notebook to try to figure out what I would say and I did not have any words. <laughs> All of that confidence I had sitting in the pews in chapel was, was gone. I got up into the pulpit uh, that morning, uh, halfway through my first year in seminary, and I was a nervous wreck. But that's how it is with confidence, isn't it? You have it and then you don't. And, and so we hear this refrain, be confident, be confident, be confident. Sure, we would all like more of it, I, I think. Uh, here's what's really interesting, though, that I'd like to talk with you about today, though. This refrain we hear from the world is actually the same refrain we hear from God. Uh, and this is not always the case. You know this, right? That what the world says, what the world values is not always what God values. But in this case, in the case of confidence, it is. Uh, God wants you to be confident. What the world says is what God says. Be confident. Be confident. Uh, maybe we should talk about what confidence is, though. Uh, confidence is the quality or state of being certain. Don't you think God wants that for you? <laughs> in this ever-changing, uncertain, crazy world we live in, uh, there's nothing more than, than for, that God wants than for you to live with assurance and certainty. God wants you, most certainly, to be confident. But, and maybe you're waiting for this, maybe you're ready for this, there, there is a but, and that is that the God's vision of confidence for you is very different from the world's. And, and the main difference comes from what that confidence is founded upon. Because our confidence, our certainty in our lives always flows from something. It's always uplifted or, or upheld by something. Now, the world would have you believe that, that your certainty and your confidence ought to come from you. It tells you to look into the mirror to find certainty and confidence. The, the world promotes self-confidence. But that's not the kind of confidence that God promotes. Uh, he does not say that you should look to you to find certainty. He says to look to Jesus. He does not tell you that your confidence is looking back at you in the mirror, but that it's looking down at you from a cross. Jesus did not promote self-confidence. He promotes a Christ confidence, uh, a confidence that flows from, is upheld by, founded upon, no one else other than Jesus. See, the world says to us, you can do it. Just try harder, put your mind to it. You can achieve whatever it is you want to achieve. Uh, Jesus says when it comes to the most important things, the eternal things in life, he actually says to you, no, you can't. <laughs> you can try, but you'll never get to where you want to go. And Instead, he says, I have, I can, I will. Uh, the world says to us, believe in yourself. Uh, God over and over again says, no, believe in me. The problem is that way too many of us, all of us actually, all too often have believed in this myth or this lie of self-confidence. We, we continually find our certainty by looking back in the mirror, by looking in the mirror. And, and I know this is to be true because just think about maybe the last few times you've been really confident, if you have been, right? Think about the last time maybe you were confident in your career. Uh, I would guess it was because uh, because you did something good. Maybe you won an award or you got a promotion or you deserved a raise or your boss patted you on the back or your, your coworkers complimented you, right? You looked at what you had been doing and you found certainty in your career. Or, or think, parents, about the last time 
that you found confidence as a parent. It was probably because your kids were following the rules, playing nice with others, making the honor roll, and you looked at them and you thought of yourself and you thought, I must be doing something right. <laughs> I feel pretty confident. Or, or think about the last time you were confident, oh, let's say going to a party in some sort of social situation. You probably walked into the doors of that party confident because, well, uh, maybe people had complimented your sense of style the last party you went to or people tend to laugh at your jokes and, and you thought about that and you thought, yeah, I, I feel pretty good today. I am certain. I am confident. Now, now, don't get me wrong, uh, self-confidence can get you pretty far. Um, it can give you certainty in times of uncertainty. But self-confidence is not a confidence that will last. Because what happens when you lose the job? <laughs> what happens when your boss stops complimenting you and your coworkers stop patting you on the back? What happens as a parent when your kids don't make the honor roll or they stop playing nice with others, right? Where does your certainty go then? If it's founded on yourself, it goes right out the window. What happens when people stop laughing at your jokes and stop complimenting your style? You see, if your confidence, if your certainty is built on you, if you find it by looking back in the mirror, that's, that's fine for a time, but it's not a confidence that will take you to where God wants you to go. You see, God wants you to be more confident. He wants you to have more assurance, more certainty than you can give yourself. <laughs> and so he says, look to me. Build your confidence upon what I have done, not uh, upon what you can accomplish. Uh, this is a hard lesson, uh, and I say this uh, just as a Christian like you. Uh, this is a hard lesson for me. It's also hard as a pastor to teach about it uh, because of this, because we don't have too many good examples of, of Christ-confident people in our world today. Uh, we, we know what it looks like to be self-confident, right? If we wanted to, to, to act self-confidently, if, if we wanted to mimic that behavior, we could just turn on the TV, watch our politicians and our movie stars. We would puff out our chests and walk a little taller, and, and we would know what the, the posture of self-confidence looks like, right? But, but I wonder as a Christian, as a pastor, what does it look like? What does it mean to live a life of Christ-confidence, right? That's a, a much more rare posture to have in our world today. Uh, well, uh, we are blessed today, if that's the case, because in Psalm 27, in King David, who wrote that psalm, I think we get a beautiful picture of Christ-like conf confidence. Uh, psalm 27, you might be surprised to, to learn this unless you were in Bible study this morning. Psalm 27 is categorized as a psalm of lament. It's uh, put with all the other psalms of, of hurt and pain, all of the psalms that include cries and, and mourning to the Lord. It's, it's under that category because of, of what we read about, what David is going through in that psalm. He talks about armies encamped against him. He talks about enemies that surround him. He, he talks about all these reasons he has to be afraid and, and the ways that that he has failed. And, and yet in the midst of that, in the midst of a very uncertain world where David has no idea what tomorrow brings, he has no idea what armies will attack him, and in the midst of all that fear, in the midst of his failures, this is what David says in the middle of it all in verse 3. David says, Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. And though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. And the amazing thing about Psalm 27 is that, again, that source of David's confidence. Throughout the psalm, David does not sing his own praises. He doesn't puff out his chest and, and walk a little taller. No, repeatedly throughout the psalm, David sings the praises of his God. He places his confidence 
in the Lord, right? He does not talk about what a great dad he's been because he hasn't been. (laughs) That can't be the source of his confidence. He can't talk about what a, a wonderful, faithful husband he's been. He's completely failed in that regard. He, he can't talk about his, his, his awards as a general or his righteousness as a king. No, over and over and over again in the psalm, and, and you can go back and read it, David sings the praises of God. His focus is on what the Lord has done for him. And when he looks at his Lord and all that God has done for him, he has certainty. A certainty that's not looking back at him in the mirror. Not a self-confidence, but a a Christ-like confidence that looks down at him from the cross. Psalm 27 uh, is, and maybe it's yours too, uh, but it is one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. And I actually have to laugh every time I say that because I know I say it all the time, so you can forgive me. Uh, I probably say it every sermon I give. This is one of my favorite passages. Uh, So I apologize for that, but probably not a bad way to approach the scriptures. have a lot of favorites, I guess. Um, This one actually is one of my favorites, though, (laughs) if I I have to say, because uh, Psalm 27, verses 1 to 2, were actually my my confirmation verses. Uh, So these have, have long been on my heart in mind. But as I, I read verses 1 to 2 and as I read through the whole psalm in verse 3 today, uh, what I realized is that when I chose those verses so many years ago, I, I, I think I liked them. They sounded nice. I appreciated them as much as a 14-year-old could. But I don't think I had any idea that the full appreciation that I would one day have for these words. Because as I read them now, I see that, that David is living in the same world that you and I are living in. We live in a crazy, chaotic, uncertain world, don't we? And, and maybe our particular circumstances are different, but it's, it's, it's all the same, right? We live in a world where, where stock markets rise and fall, and therefore our retirements rise and fall, based on who tweets what. Uh, we, we live in a world where, where one day our nation has friends, and the next day those friends are our enemies. We live in a world where you, as parents, one day your kids are telling you how much they love you, and they're jumping up into your lap to snuggle, and it's like the next day you are nothing but these overbearing slave masters to them. And you're like, what happened here, right? We live in an uncertain world, and, and yet like David, we have a, a reason to be confident, We have a reason to be certain no matter what changes around us because our confidence, our certainty is not in ourselves but in Jesus and who he is and what he's done in in living that perfect life on our behalf and dying a death on the cross and taking our place and, and rising again so that we might have life. We have certainty because of Jesus, because of what he has done and is doing right now for us and and what he will surely do again. Be confident, Jesus says. And we are. In Jesus' name, amen.